This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome back to the Influential CEO Podcast. I'm in such a good mood today doing this intro. I've had such a good week. It's kind of been like my first actual week back in business with clients, expansion mastermind started, aligned baddies started, which is my eight week mindset course. And it's just been so nice to be back in mentor archetype, teacher archetype, coaching archetype, and actually be working with so many clients. And I feel like I've just had such a massive week of feeling so grateful for business and just realizing how much I actually missed it whilst I was in Europe. I was saying to one of my private clients this morning, I've had obviously such an incredible month and a half of traveling and just doing my thing. And I haven't been working with private clients in the same capacity that I usually do all my mastermind or even courses or any sort of offers like that. But being back in business now and actually facilitating more offers and having expansion mastermind start and being on one-to-one calls this morning just just got me back in the feels for how much I love this industry and how much I love business. And it's just been so nice to be diving into all things business this week. And on top of that, like I said, Expansion Mastermind started on Monday morning, which was exciting because it's been a long time coming in terms of that launch. And for anyone listening who runs high ticket offers or containers like Masterminds, they often have a very long launch period and it feels like a very long time coming until we officially start. But I'm so proud of the way that I navigated that launch and I'm so happy with the outcome of this container already. We had such an incredible first hot seat coaching call yesterday morning and it was a really pivotal call for all of us in that space. I think for me, I had a huge moment of just reflecting on the standards that I actually uphold inside my business. And I actually jumped inside my broadcast this morning and I kind of spoke to just the importance of having standards in business, but prioritizing standards unconditionally in business. And something that I've often seen and even experienced myself is feeling like standards waver dependent on how something is going or how a launch is actually moving. So for an example, this round of Expansion Mastermind is a very intimate container. It's a very small group and I'm so happy with women who have moved inside. I actually had a lot of applications that came through, but I really during the launch knew what I was launching and I knew what I was selling. And I'm more important knew what I was promising inside Expansion Mastermind. And when I was looking at the applications coming through, not that all of these women weren't incredible, they just weren't an aligned fit for this space. And I could have prioritized the result. I could have prioritized the vanity metric of being like, yep, I've got my numbers in, I filled out this mastermind. But I actually know that it wasn't going to serve the women who were applying, nor was it going to live up to what I promised Expansion Mastermind to actually be. So I've had a huge week of just really settling and knowing that I've always prioritized the standard and I lead with very high standards in my business knowing that what I say something's going to be I'm going to deliver on based on me actually really leading in a way where I know I'm going to prioritize what I've promised in the container and not the results so I have that external validation of oh my god I've hit this outcome or oh my god I've got these amount of people in an offer or whatever it may be so even that alone has been a really cool learning curve for me and I just feel like I've really seen myself clearly in that standard and I think it's such an important thing in business to just start to actually think about, you know, where standards potentially are conditional in your business right now and where you can lead with more unconditional standards, knowing that prioritizing the client's experience and prioritizing what you actually want a space to be is going to have 
the most incredible compounding effect long-term in your business because one, you're having a scalable business by having women come into your world and wanting to stay in your world and not coming in and not having the container live up to what was promised when you were launching or selling or different things like that. So that's been really cool this week. But outside of that, I am going to New Zealand on Friday morning. So it's currently Wednesday when I'm recording this intro, which is going to be so nice. I feel like I've been on the go recently, obviously with Europe and just a lot of travel. I've recently just come back from Adelaide over the weekend as well after seeing Christina, which was so nice. We were having just the best time together. And equally, I had some bridesmaid duties on top of that. And we were just, yeah, spending time together, which is good because we don't have that much time together often in person. But when we do, I feel like we are just like in our little bubble for three days, just doing our thing. And it was so nice to have some time with her, especially before going away to New Zealand and spending around like two and a half to three weeks there for pretty much all of August. So still a lot moving behind the scenes in my life. But alongside that, it's just been so nice to be back in business, like I said, and be heading over to New Zealand to CT and to spend some time over there. And I was just on FaceTime to him actually before coming (laughs) into the studio. And I think we've even decided that after I get home from this stint in New Zealand, we're going to have like another nine to 10 weeks before his home officially. And we're probably just going to slog that out and just do our own thing in the meantime and not have another stint heading over. So it's crazy now that it's August and we're on the downhill and it's actually, yeah, coming to an end. It even feels like I'm looking at the rest of this year, which is now five months and looking at closing it out and what's actually moving, which is just crazy. But yeah, a lot moving, a lot happening. That's my update for the week. But Today's episode is a really good episode. It's a huge episode. We're speaking all to good girl conditioning, good girl archetype, and just all the moving pieces. I'm not going to bore you with all that information before you move into it, but essentially we are diving into all things good girl. It's a huge pillar in my content. It's a huge pillar in everything that I teach within business. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Okay, before we get into the bulk of today's episode, I do want to preface for those watching on YouTube, I look like I'm camping. <laughs> We've been talking about it for a couple of minutes now, but it's it's fine. Look, I actually don't agree, mm. but I mean, you could go. It's giving. I've got a podcast at three, but camping at four. <laughs> you know, so essentially, it looks like I'm camping. You could. It's versatile. Yeah. outfits. It's just because this this podcast studio gets a little bit chilly because we're keeping all technology cool. Yeah, with the air conditioning, and it's a cold day outside. Yeah, it is a cold day outside and inside, and. That's Mm, fine. It's fine. We're doing the thing. But today we are talking about all things good girl conditioning. Essentially, she's a 10, but she says yes to everything. Yes. (laughs) How true is that? She's a 10, but she's a people pleaser. Essentially. She's a 10, but she's afraid of judgment. She's a 10. But she lacks boundaries. She's a 10, but she doesn't let herself take up space. She's a 10, but she's secretly judging everything she does. She's a 10, but she... Okay, we'll stop it there, but you're welcome, everyone. You You get get the the gist. gist. (laughs) You get the gist. This is just such a huge, huge conversation. And the good girl conditioning is something that I have been teaching and speaking to within my coaching for such a long time now. And I kind of realized that I've never really even brought this into many conversations on the podcast. Mm. 
It's such a key part of what you do. So let's bring them in. Bring let's them in, bring boys. it in. Really the good girl conditioning and just to kind of give a little bit of a, I guess, context to what good girl conditioning really is. It's the conditioning around essentially being the good girl, but being the nice one, being the palatable one, being the one that doesn't speak her truth, being the one that is easygoing and goes with the flow and says yes to everything. And this contributes massively to our relationships, to our quality of life, to how fulfilled we are in our lives, in our careers, in our relationships, and ultimately how you show up day to day. I have coined the term the cool girl complex, and I think it speaks to this perfectly. It's so like mm. so easy, like in dating, in like when you're dating and you want to be the cool girl, but also in business when you're like, I want to please like, you know, my audience or my clients. It's just like, it's actually not serving you though, which is what we're going to get into today. Mm. So I think there's a trick there. You think you get that like instant gain from being the cool. It's easy to be liked in the moment, but then it backfires later. Yep. The good girl facade, the cool girl complex name name your thing yeah like you call it what you want pick whatever one feels true for you but even with that what is so interesting is it's really the energy of trying to be everything for everyone all the time at the sacrifice to your own needs your own desires and what you actually want from your life as well Mm. and this good girl conditioning can present in so many ways and I truly believe that business is such a mirror for all of your good girl stuff because Mm. you're challenged at certain times you know you are in a position of power you are in a position to make Make decisions and have to be actually quite direct, quite honest, and really discern what you want to do in moments. And in that, you're often challenged to be like, oh, how am I going to show up? Mm. Right? Am I going to try and maintain this cool girl complex or am I going to potentially not be liked, not well received in a moment just so I can prioritize myself, so I can actually speak my truth and do exactly what it is that I need to do in this moment, which is put myself first. Yeah. Which is potentially be a bit stern, which is potentially be direct, be honest, like name your thing. But with the cool girl conditioning, the biggest thing is we end up suppressing so much of ourselves to be the easygoing one, to be the likable one, to be the palatable one. And over time, we collect so much evidence external of us to support that's the version that gets validated. That's the version that's liked. Meaning, you know, growing up, and I guess I'll use some very tangible examples because if you're listening and you're like, what are you going on about? (laughs) You're going to need some tangibles. But really what this looks like and how it presents is when we're young, it may have been in your family that you always knew that doing the jobs was up to you, right? Doing the washing or helping mum make the beds or helping your mum, you know, fold the towels or do the things. That was your job as a girl because good girls help their mums, right? Maybe another example could be that you really wanted to study science at uni, but your dad really, really wanted you to become a lawyer. So you did the good girl thing. And even though your passion didn't lie in law, that was what was expected of you. So you did the easygoing thing. You did the thing that you were quote unquote supposed to do and you went down that path. There's so many ways that this actually plays out and a big one can really come up in friendships and relationships, especially when you get older because you really see it for what it is in moments where you all of a sudden go, wow, how I've been showing up for all of my childhood, all of my teen years is really presenting in my adult life in a way that I'm actually seeing now for the first time how much this is impacting me as a human, Mm. how much this is impacting my happiness, my health, my overall well-being and the fulfillment that I'm experiencing day to day as well. You know, in a relationship, the good girl conditioning is going to hit you really, really hard. Definitely. Really hard. Are you always happy to watch whatever movie they want to watch? Are you always happy to, to go to whatever restaurant? 
they want to go to? Are you always sitting back and going, yes, that's perfect, no worries, or potentially you're overexpressing by doing all of the jobs and looking after everything at home when really you actually have some needs, but voicing those needs to your partner, to your friend, to your parents, to whoever feels too polarizing and somewhat feels very contradicting to who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. And in life and what we really get to understand is we're always going to create safety for ourselves. And we know that safety really comes in the form of being accepted. And when we think about what we're accepted in, we're going to look at all the personality traits, all the things that we do, all the things that we say, who we be to support being accepted. And this comes back to conditioning. So our whole lives, especially in childhood, we are unconsciously looking and picking up on all of these things, whether it's societal norms, whether it's you know conditioning through parents, what you're told, all these different things contribute to who you become, right? And you actually start to learn who you have to be and you learn what you have to say and what you have to do and you pick up on what, I guess, how that's received outside of you. So if you're always getting praise for being quiet and not voicing your needs and, you know, sitting in the corner and just doing your thing, you learn subconsciously in that moment that, oh, when I'm quiet, when I'm easy going, when I don't make too much noise, when I'm not loud, that's encouraged. I'm loved when I show up that way. And what happens is when we get to let's just say, you know, adulthood and we're running career or we're in careers and we, you know, are entrepreneurs or we start a business, we start going, oh, I have to be a bit louder. Oh, I have to take up a bit more space. Oh shit. I'm actually being challenged here because my business isn't going to grow unless I do put myself out there, unless I start speaking my truth. And because of that conditioning, we start to feel somewhat restricted in what we can be, what we can say out of the fear that it's not going to be well received because that's not what we were taught to be growing up. Absolutely. If you grow up an entire life where you've put on essentially a mask Mm -hmm. and that's the only way you've ever received validation, of course, you're not going to feel comfortable taking the mask off. Mm-hmm. or changing the mask because it's like but the thing is as well with that is like you haven't even given the the other mask a chance or the no mask a chance like you could be receiving love and admiration for the different way of showing up but you just you've tricked yourself into thinking that it's not even available to you mm. and there's so many things that contribute to that you know even based on our own judgment where we stop ourselves from actually stepping outside of these quote-unquote norms and conditioning of who we're supposed to be because we judge it in other women as well exactly and that's the biggest thing it's like sometimes we are honestly our own problem when it comes to this because if we see someone and we're going to use some very tangible examples but if you're out clubbing right? Or you're at a beach club in Mykonos or you're shaking your ass on a yacht, whatever. Mm. And you see another girl and she's up on a pole and she's having the time of her life and she's doing shots and she's partying, whatever. And you feel really triggered or activated by that. There's something in that that you get to look at. Absolutely. What about her behavior is triggering you? What about her being up in front of all these people dancing and actually being somewhat carefree feels activating for you? Because that's always going to be a very clear insight to what you're not allowing yourself to be, what you're not allowing yourself to express. And I speak to this often on the podcast, but when we start to actually look at that and tap into self-inquiry, we get to learn a lot about ourselves and equally where we're contributing to actually cock blocking ourselves from stepping outside of that norm and doing what's actually going to fulfill us in our lives. And that's the biggest part, right? It's the fulfillment. Absolutely. I think the risk with the person listening to that analogy, right, is that they're like, that you, they might decide to think that you're saying, well, you know, you should be up there on the pole doing shots. That's not the point. 
It's the fact that there's some part of you that is suppressed somewhere that's not fully expressed. And what you're seeing is that she is expressed and she is carefree. So Mm -hmm. it's about having that inquiry about where in your life are you not expressing yourself? It might simply be for you, your equivalent to having shots and shaking your ass on a yacht might actually just be like writing a really vulnerable caption on Instagram about your history in your business. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's the point you really need to go internal and be like, okay, where, how can I express myself? Well, where am I not? It might be in a relationship, might have nothing to do with your business. Mm, It's hardly ever, like you said, about the behavior. It's more about what that behavior is showing you. Exactly. And if you're like, oh, she's being super, let's just call it obnoxious, right? You're like, wow, she's being obnoxious. She's just up there and she's carefree and her ass looks great, but I could never do that. And all the stories start to play out. What you're really taking from that is the too much piece. Yeah. Where it's like, wow, she's being quote unquote too much, but she's letting herself be too much. She's letting herself be obnoxious. Where am I not allowing myself to be obnoxious? Maybe like you said, an Instagram example in your business, maybe you're not fully claiming who you are or what you do yeah exactly maybe you're not being cheeky maybe you want to say I'm a fucking baller and I actually earn x amount of money or I can deliver x program or I can help you achieve x result there's a part of you that goes I can't claim that I can't be that assertive I can't be that dominant in in what I know to be true because what if someone thinks I'm obnoxious Exactly. And I think a really key thing to do is like l- l- see every word as neutral. So obnoxious, mm-hmm. right, is like a negative word if you allow it to be. But what's the positive charge way of viewing that? And it could be mm-hmm. confident. It, yeah. And actually thinking, okay, I'm feeling negatively charged about this phrase or word. What's the positive charge version? And, and that often is an easier gateway for you to be like, oh, that's what I'm craving. Mm. And that's the challenging of conditioning, right? Because we learn all these things are bad, whether it's, you know, good girls don't set boundaries. Good girls don't say no. Good girls don't take up space. Good girls aren't loud. Good girls go with the flow, right? Mm. Really right now. And and this is an opportunity, whether you're driving, walking, sleeping, like whatever you're doing, drop into self-inquiry and go, wow, what is my conditioning around the good girl? You know, what do I think I can't do? What do I not allow myself to be? Because for me, for a long time, it's Good girls are easygoing. And that's been my biggest work ever that I've had to do, especially when it comes to business is good girls are easygoing. And I've had to challenge that on so many levels. And I actually used an example in a course that I ran this morning, but I was kind of speaking to in business how good girls actually can't come with you right? That good girl complex, that cool girl complex, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, it can't come with you in business. The two really can't coexist because I had a graphic designer and this is probably about a year ago. She would come to me and she, we worked very closely, but she would come to me and share, you know, things that she was doing for my programs or my offers or different, just different projects that I had moving. And I would have to give feedback. Yeah. I would literally hate it right? Not because she wasn't doing amazing work, but because I was like, I'd love to change the font. I would love to change the colors. I'd love to change where we've positioned the brand, whatever. But I'm like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Right. My response was, yes, it's perfect. It's amazing. Like the overexpression of how easygoing I was through even my feedback was insane. And I can look back now and go, wow, you couldn't even give feedback to someone that you're paying to do a service around a design because that part of you that wanted to be perceived as easygoing was so, so prevalent for me. Absolutely. And in that, it's like, wow, (laughs) when you think about, you know, the scalability of your business and growing a business and running a business, I was more concerned about preserving a concept of self than the trajectory of my business. Absolutely. And that's huge. It's so huge. And I Mm. think as well, like it's so easy for the stories to play out for a less self-aware person than yourself Mm. to be like, 
oh, you know, I just don't want to offend her, like, and paint yourself as the hero and the kind and the good girl in that sense. It's like, oh, I could tell her, but honestly, it doesn't matter. I'd rather her feel confident in her design, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. But really, she deserves and really wants direct feedback. Like, her part of her craft and art is to be within working within a brief. You give her no brief or you give her no feedback, she can't actually do her best work. Like, it's, it's doing the service for yourself and allowing that – to actually carry out for the people that you're so-called protecting. Mm -hmm. You're actually not. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about this whole good girl conditioning is because when we play into it, we think we're doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, wholeheartedly in our core and unconsciously, that's what we were taught to be. Exactly. So if we're being what we're supposed to be, it's going to feel right in your body, even somatically, right? Yeah. You're going to be like, I'm, I'm not setting boundaries. I'm letting people live. I'm doing all the right things. I'm, I'm going to parties. I'm there for my friends. I can hold space for people. It's going to play out in so many ways. And it's always going to present as, oh, I just love you because you can always listen to me when I need a rant. Oh, I just love you because whenever I need help, you'll always show up. Oh, I just love you because whenever I do something, you're just so easy about the delivery, right? You're going to get praise for your good girl conditioning. And that is why it is so fucking hard to challenge. It's completely unnatural at this point when you first start doing the the opposite. Mm. And you will, and, and this is a huge piece when it comes to this, you will absolutely receive conscious and unconscious projections when you start to challenge your good girl. Mm. And we've got to normalize that because people, and I'm generalizing again, but people don't expect you to not be the good girl. Yeah. Right. It's actually expected. It's expected even within yourself. So it's very likely that once you start to challenge that, once you start to be direct, once you start to be honest, once you start to be outspoken, obnoxious, name your thing, once you start saying no, people are probably going to project on you. And this is where having the awareness around the conditioning and equally having a level of compassion for the fact that in terms of society, this is normalized as a whole right? Most women are conditioned to be the good girl and we're definitely transitioning out of this, but it still very much plays a role in our lives and in our conditioning. So knowing that majority of us are actually faced with this and majority of us are navigating this, you know that you're probably going to trigger some people, right? You actually know that a few people are going to not be able to hold you in that transition, whether it is saying no, whether it is being more direct, whether it is, you know, adding a bit more obnoxiousness to your content or whatever. But you having that awareness is really meeting yourself with the emotional intelligence to trust that you can hold those projections. Mm. That's the biggest part because it's a trust thing, right? If you actually don't trust that, oh my God, if someone tells me that I'm being too direct, I'm just going to fall back into to being more palatable, then it's going to feel very hard to integrate. But now that you've got the awareness, it's like, okay, well, if I know that people potentially will project on me, conscious or unconscious... How am I going to show up in this? Yeah. And you don't get to just be shocked when it happens. Like, oh my God, that was scary. Mm-hmm. And then spiral. Yeah. So much more empowering. So much more empowering. I have so much, you know, and for me, the reason why I feel like I'm so passionate about this topic is because in my journey in business specifically, I have been faced with so many iterations of the good girl. Give it, give me one. <laughs> Where do I begin? Well, how much time had, have we we've got? We've had graphic designer, tick that one off. Yeah, tick that one off. So for me in that, very much the easygoing complex, right? Where for me, I was so heavily encouraged for being easygoing. It's not funny. I, I love it, right? It's a part of myself in terms of concept of self. My favorite thing to say about myself is I'm super easygoing. Yeah. My favorite thing to say about myself. I'm actually not that easygoing. Yeah. 
You know, when I think about it, yes, I can be super easy going with certain things, but a lot of that is an overexpression for what I think I have to be. Yeah. You know, and when I think about my childhood, I love my parents, but I was definitely encouraged for being easygoing. You're so easy. You just go with the flow. You say yes to everything. We don't have to worry about you, right? It's, it's very much that energy. And it was true because I knew from childhood, oh, this is encouraged. Yeah. Right? Me being easy gets me love gets me attention. It gets me acceptance. So I'm going to really play into that. And I've collected so much evidence in my life of me being easygoing and that being a positive thing that of course that's going to play out for me now. So challenging that is challenging. Now, if we think about the easygoing thing, and I know that there would be a few of you listening that resonate with this specifically, we think about this in like an umbrella term, right? You open the umbrella being the easygoing complex, all the shit falls underneath that, right? boundaries, saying no to people, um, having feedback for certain people, leading different spaces, actually speaking to things that you're seeing. There is so much that falls underneath that, that I've had to work through on so many levels. Boundaries being a huge one, you know, early days in my business, I just wanted to be accessible to everyone all the time. Yeah. And easygoing people don't set boundaries. You know, easygoing people don't say, oh, you can't message me on weekends. Easygoing people don't say, hey, I plug in once a day. So there has been a lot of work for me around that. Even now I've got team on board and I've got my um, business manager, Molly, on board and and different people that I work with, subcontractors and and all the things. I have to be direct. Like I have to speak my truth. I have to give honest feedback. That's challenging because that goes against the easygoing part of me that I want to preserve. Yeah. So this to me, I feel is very much new level, new devil. And that's the, that's the biggest thing with our limiting beliefs, our conditioning is we really are going to be challenged by whatever it is that we're, we're needing to integrate or wanting to integrate over and over and over. Until because, you do it. And there's going to be different levels in it. Yeah. You know, me integrating boundaries when I start my business is so different from the boundaries that I would have in my business now. Yeah. The same way me giving feedback day one of my business versus me giving feedback now is different. I've got skin in the game. You know, I'm years deep. I'm earning high multi six figures a year. I've got team. I've got subcontractors. I pay someone's wage. You know, there's, there's different, there's a different iteration of that. And if you're not leading that and if you're not understanding this good girl conditioning and how much it's contributing to potential hurdles that you're experiencing in your life, it's really going to be the detriment to you and the growth of your business. Mm. And it really doesn't matter, you know, with this, it doesn't really matter what industry business you're in because we're talking life. You know, what are you not doing because of this conditioning? Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you want to move up in your career. Maybe you want to pay rise. Maybe you feel like you're actually more entitled to things that you don't feel you can ask for or speak to based on what you're experiencing with this good girl conditioning. You know, there's so many things that we actually desire and somewhat want to demand, but wait a minute, good girls don't ask for pay rises. Mm. Huge. Very much so. Mm. It's a big thing. And I think even bringing it back to, you know, friendships and relationships and, and looking at how it plays out there, it's this energy of, like we said, she's a 10, but she says yes to everything. Where in your life now do you say yes out of obligation and not desire? Where, what about you? Like where have, what's been a recent <laughs> You know reverse. Well, what about is, you? Well, yeah. this is the thing. Like, yeah, I feel like the listener wants to know that more than me, mm. <laughs> firstly. Yeah, it's true. And I guess for me, if I think about this, 
one, there's been so many levels to this as well. You know, where are you saying yes when really you want to say no? And I would say where that plays out a lot of the time is in responsibilities within, um, for me, more personal life than business. So if I had a friend that came to me and was like, hey, are you free on the weekend to help me move boxes? I'm moving house. There would be a part of me that's very, very challenged in saying no. Absolutely. Very challenged in saying no, because I love that person. I want to be there for that person. And there's the unconscious part of you that just automatically goes to say yes, because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. When really saying yes to that might mean that I couldn't get X, Y, and Z done, which means I'm behind for the following week. So me saying yes is actually me prioritizing someone before myself. And what I wholeheartedly believe and what I've done so much work around is you saying no is actually you prioritizing that relationship. Yeah, that is so true. Mm, every single time. Yeah, because you're A, going to build resentment towards that person, but also like I know if I asked you to move boxes and you couldn't or it was put you, putting you out, I don't want that help. I'd mm-hmm. prefer not to have you there. Mm-hmm. And I think most people in like integrous friendships or relationships are the same. But it's like why are we pretending like you're doing, you know, putting them first is is doing them the best It's not like it really isn't. No. And that's where we have to clock the part where you potentially couldn't handle someone saying no to you. Yeah. And that's why you say yes to everything. Exactly. You know, how would you feel if you asked your friend like, hey, can you help me on the weekend? And she said, no. You know, what would your reaction be to that? And really now coming into the awareness part of this, it's really clocking your reaction to anyone that goes against the good girl conditioning, because if someone does come to you, they say, no, they set a boundary. They don't want to go to the party that you invited them to. They don't want to go out for dinner when you ask them to go for dinner, right? There's so many ways this plays out. If your reaction to that is negative, is heightened, potentially you're angry, you're mad, you're upset. It's going to be very, very challenging for you to integrate any of this work. A hundred percent. You're afraid of your own response. It's like birthdays. There's so much Mm. obligation and I feel like, you know, I have recently had a birthday and, you know, the people, people are like so sorry if they can't make it. And it's like, I don't care, but your amount of apology is making me feel like I better be at yours because I know your expectation is that high on birthdays, right? But I'm like, if you have an expectation for someone, for someone to do something for you and like, that's where you go wrong and lowering you, not lowering your expectations, obviously maintaining standards of relationships, but yeah, I guess like entitlement to people's time will set you free to do the same for yourself and like set Mm -hmm. boundaries in people. Yep. It's the overexpression too, right? You see it in people, you know, oh, hey, I can't come to your birthday. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll be there next time. Let's go out for dinner. It's just a no. It's just, yeah. It's okay. Just a no. Yeah. But it, it really is looking at why that feels like it, it needs to be your reaction or your response because our behavior, our communication, it's always a very clear indication of what we're not integrated in. Yes. Right. We all have unconscious reactions. Yeah. Hello, being a human. Yeah. <laughs> we all have these unconscious reactions and you might find, and this is a cool thing too. You might find that I have no issue saying no to my partner. Yeah. I have no issue setting a boundary with my partner, but I do have an issue setting a boundary with my team member, with my best friend, with my client. So there's going to be different levels to this within those um, dynamics and within those relationships. But a big thing is you probably feel like you're able to voice certain things with people where you know this is interesting. The love is unconditional. Yeah. 
right? When you know that a relationship is conditional, meaning that person could leave, that person could go at any time, that relationship is very much bound on, you know, mutual respect and actually putting in time, energy, attention into the the dynamic. There's going to naturally be a part of you that doesn't want to challenge that in any way because you know it's not unconditional. And that's really where you're going to see that conditioning play out in what you don't allow yourself to voice or speak to because there's going to be this part of you that goes, well, if I speak to my friend about setting a boundary with our communication or how often she texts me or how often she calls me or um, you know, how she responds when I need X done, whatever, I don't want to speak to that because if I do, she could leave me. Yeah. Hence why business is such a big challenge because it's like, yeah, all of your clients can leave you. It's conditional. Yeah, it is conditional. Completely. It's exactly what I spoke to in Unmatched Standards this morning in, in the final call. It's that conditional piece in business, especially when we speak to boundaries, where there's this fear associated sometimes that boundaries create separation. And this really is an entirely new episode, you know, talking to boundaries, but boundaries create separation. And we feel like if we put boundaries in place with clients specifically, that it's going to create separation, which in turn is going to make them, you know, look somewhere else and go, well, this mentor, this coach actually, you know, charges less. And they're in Voxer five days a week. So I'm going to go over there when really people just desire you to hold a high standard. And if we trust and know that we're not going to react to what someone says or react to what someone does, because we're not going to do the dance with them, mm. right? We set a boundary, maybe they react. And then we start to get reactive too. We're dancing. Mm. And that dance is leaky. That dance is actually quite cooked and it's only ever going to lead to conflict, potential resentment, and probably a relationship breakdown. But if we remain neutral, knowing that the boundary that we've put in place is actually there to serve both parties, right? It's not there to serve yourself. It's not there to serve them. It's actually there because, hey, this is what I desire. This is what I see moving forward for us is going to be the most beneficial. And if that person on the receiving end of that boundary happens to feel a certain way, it's trusting that because you're so neutral in what you've just done, because you're so um, you know, in conviction in regards to this is going to serve me and you you're able to remain a very safe anchor for them during that process. They get to react, Mm. right? They get to respond. But if you react to their reaction and you start dancing, eventually you're going to get tired. Absolutely. I, yeah, I'm a big believer in boundaries just being the ultimate safety. It is. You know, coming back to like a neutral term for boundaries, it's Mm. like that's actually, you know, can be like boundaries on a boat, right? That Mm. is keeping you from falling off. Mm. you know there's so many analogies isn't there yeah like boundaries is such a funny one because there's so there's so many real life examples you could speak to where it's like you think about you know even there's a glass of of kombucha in front of me Mm. (laughs) so I'm going to speak to that but if this glass didn't exist that water would be everywhere yeah so this really is the boundary right it's like you think about the glass as being the boundary that you put in place and the water being the dynamic the relationship it's like without that glass you're fucked. Yeah. Exactly. You're everywhere. You're going to spill. You're going to fall eventually. You're going to evaporate. Yes. <laughs> there's so many There's so many ways you could even speak to that. So that's why we have these things in place because really you speaking your needs, your truth, your desires, right? All the good girl shit. When you actually speak to those things, that is you honoring the relationships in your life. Yeah. That's you valuing the relationships over preserving a concept of self. Yeah. That's the biggest thing you get to look at. It's like, choose your heart. Are you more committed to being perceived a certain way and potentially feeling very unfulfilled in your life and not complete? And like you're constantly at energetic capacity because you're giving, 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 giving and never actually receiving versus choosing the heart of, hey, I'm going to have a challenging conversation. This might feel uncomfortable. This might feel big. This might end in conflict. I don't know, but I value this relationship. Yeah. 
and I'm willing to be seen in a light that maybe doesn't fully reflect who I want to be perceived as, but it's me putting that relationship first. And I can guarantee that whatever happens in that conversation will be exactly what needs to happen. Because if that person responds in a way that is negative and it ends in conflict and anger and resentment from their end, they benefited heavily off you being the good girl. Yeah. There's something to that. There's so much to that. I think that's, yeah, I I feel like that is just so valuable. Like having that, I guess, awareness of what you're actually doing in your life and just like do the empowered action, you know, Mm. like be sure that it's going to serve you and them. Like that's all I have to say. Yeah. As someone who is an actual people pleaser by heart, like I was the ultimate people pleaser. It was ridiculous. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm not pleasing any of these people. Mm. It's the biggest trick of the the whole world. No one, no one's actually benefiting from this, right? People think they benefit from you being the good girl, but really it's you somewhat are. a facade and exactly you're benefiting because you get to preserve a concept of self. Exactly. And that's a very hard thing to hear because you go, fuck. Yeah. You know, a lot of the the resistance that I feel in my life is actually because of what I'm playing into and how much that benefits me. I'm loved and accepted. This is comfortable. Yeah. Right. It's actually very comfortable for us to be the good girl. We would rather do that than have to challenge that and, and be uncomfortable for a moment. Right. And rewrite that conditioning and rewrite the stories that we tell ourselves because it's not that there's not truth to them right? This is very real conditioning. It's very real in regards to what we experience and then what we adopt and then what we believe is true and then what we play into. But like I just said, people do benefit from you being the good girl. So if you had a friendship with someone and you were always available, you went out every single weekend with them, you said yes to every single event and it was never something that you genuinely wanted to do. And then all of a sudden you set the boundary of, Hey, I actually don't want to do X, Y, and Z anymore. And they get angry all of a sudden you really start to see what that relationship was, Mm. right? It was, you know, essentially based on you meeting their needs. They're not committed or wanting or willing to meet you and yours. So therefore that relationship wasn't healthy anyway. Yeah. Right. And the people that you set a boundary with and they go, yeah, absolutely. Like that, that That gets to be, that makes sense. Wow. They fucking love you. right? They equally value that relationship. So it's really going to be a huge sort of thing to start to introduce and do in your life, knowing that once you do that, things become very genuine. Things all of a sudden become very, very real and you get to see who's genuinely in your corner and who's benefiting from you solely. Yeah. Huge. Which is way, way more fulfilling as a life to live. Way more fulfilling. And this is why I feel so passionate about this topic because really we can talk strategy, we can talk business, we can talk brand, posting, mindset, personal development, relationships. We can speak to every single topic. Nine times out of 10, the undercurrent is going to be this conditioning and what it's limiting us to do and be. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of what we're trying to integrate comes back to this conditioning. It is such a huge thing that we need to look at. And I truly don't believe you can be successful in life in terms of feeling fulfilled, feeling happy, having amazing relationships, connections, career, business, whatever, unless you address this, unless you have awareness of this, and unless you commit to actually overcoming this in whatever way feels good for you. It's huge. I'll vouch for that. Okay, question time. We have listener question number one. Do you ever have days where you don't practice what you preach? Meltdowns, emotional responses, imposter syndromes. Good question. 
What I think is so funny about this question is I'm a human. So absolutely, I experience all of those things. I have meltdowns. I have imposter syndrome. Sometimes I feel a bit cooked. Sometimes I do some leaky shit, all of the things. And I think that's such a normal part of being a human. However, what I do preach and what I do practice more importantly is my response and my reaction to those things. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest lesson in that where you know, and for anyone listening, no matter what you're experiencing, it actually gets to be perfect. Yeah. You're going to get angry. You're going to feel sad. You're going to be hormonal. Sometimes you're going to have days where you feel like life is hard and it sucks and it's all of the things and that gets to be perfect. But how you react to that is really going to dictate how you feel. So do I have moments where I don't practice what I preach from a human perspective? Absolutely. There'd be days where I'm like, well, you know, you weren't feeling that good this morning and you were feeling a bit unmotivated. Then you didn't make your bed like before eight o'clock and you didn't go on a walk and you didn't listen to a podcast and you scrolled on your phone too long. Of course, I have moments where I can see where my behavior and my habits contribute to how I'm feeling. But I know for for certain, I can say with conviction, I'm very quick in clocking where I'm actually contributing to a problem I'm experiencing. Absolutely. And that should be the goal over mm. not having it. Like if, you, if your goal is to not have those moments, you're going to lose and you're going to feel like you're failing. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that person asked that question. Mm. And it's a good question just coming off the back of this episode anyway, because mm. I think this also contributes to somewhat that good girl part where it's like, well, good girls don't get upset. Good girls aren't angry. Good girls don't have meltdowns. Like, yeah, they do. Absolutely. Bad bitches have meltdowns. Yeah. You are <laughs> yeah. baddie, you melt down. <laughs> when you're a baddie, you get fucking angry sometimes. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is true. So it's normalizing. To me, I don't like to hierarchy emotions. Yeah. And I and I have absolutely I've had to learn this. Yeah. <laughs> but I trust me, I had to learn this. But I tend to not hierarchy emotions. You know, if I'm sad, if I'm angry, if I'm frustrated, if I'm overwhelmed or whatever, it's all data to me. Why am I overwhelmed? Okay, what's contributing to that? Okay, I'm angry. Why am I angry? What's contributing to that? So it's more an opportunity for me to go, I'm happy. Why am I happy? Seeing tea. Seeing tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's all of that type of stuff where you typically know the thing that contributes to the response. And then the response really is just data around what potentially you need to do in your day to kind of nurture that um, and support yourself in that. And that's, I believe, where the kind of the incongruence can come out in terms of practicing what you preach, where I'm like, well, if I preach, you know, if you're having a bad day, you get out of bed, you drink, you know, your greens, you do your normal routines and all of that. Yet I notice in a day, oh, I'm, I woke up feeling a bit shit. I haven't done those things that typically support me. I need to to get back on my bullshit. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. But I'm quick at clocking that. So I would say that, no, I'm, I'm good. I practice what I preach. Yeah. That's my story. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Well said. Ooh, I am so excited for this question. It's just so my topic vibe. How do you keep the polarity of masculine feminine in your relationship when you're on a high, when you're the high earning partner? Talk about breaking free of good girl conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like if that's she not, a baddie. Yeah. She needless a baddie. To say. Yeah, needless to say. No, but that's, that's a huge topic. Honestly, I think that deserves its own episode. So I'll, I'll speak to it, but this has actually been for me a really, really big thing to work through. Yeah. Talk to huge. me about it. I bet. Mm. It's funny. I'm someone who, you know, and you guys know this who are listening to the podcast. I'm stubborn. I'm all, I'm all the things. I love being in a position where I have, you know, I'm earning my own money and I'm building a business. I love every single thing about it. And I've always wanted to be, and, and T knows this, we've been together obviously a very long time, but I've always said to him, hey, babe, <laughs> when we have kids, you're staying at home. I'm, I'm the work wife. That's truly what I desire for myself. And it's really, really what I want for my life. However, 
in the last I would say year, year and a half when I've really started to sort of earn more money and have a bigger income and move to a company and things have gotten a bit more serious in terms of my actual business and what's moving there. It's really interesting to see the shift in in me in terms of the discomfort of going, oh shit, I'm the provider. Like, oh shit, I'm the one that's actually doing this. I'm the one with the skin in the game. I'm not going to be quote unquote looked after in the conventional way that a man should look after you, Mm -hmm. right? Based on conditioning, based on societal norms, all the different things. So it was funny because for a long time, I was so happy with it. He was working, I was working, but I also knew that, you know, long-term what I wanted was to actually be the the sole um, provider for a period of time when we have kids eventually and all the different things. But I would say that in the last six months particularly, I've really struggled with the concept that I'm not going to be provided for in that way. Yeah. Right. I know this isn't fully the question, but I have truthfully struggled with that. And a lot of the work that I had to do around this was actually normalizing that The way in which I wanted to be looked after didn't actually come in the form of finances and more so came in the form of the the day, like the day-to-day things rather. The, is he opening the door for me? Is he cooking food for me? Is he organizing appointments for me? Is he going in my car cleaned for me? Right? All these little things is actually what I desired being looked after in. Yet I was again, conditioning, so committed to being like, yeah, but it's not financially. Yeah. Right. So T, honestly, and if you know T, which majority of you don't, but (laughs) for those that do, he is someone who is so committed to looking after me. And obviously us doing long distance at the moment, it challenges that because no one's looking after me financially and then no one's looking after me in my life. Mm. So it's interesting. I very much feel I'm in my masculine. And it wasn't long ago that we actually spoke to that. And I said to him, like, I just feel like I'm doing all the masculine stuff. You know, when he's home, I'm very much in my feminine to answer the question because yes, I earn the money. I don't deal with the money. Yeah. Right. Like I will earn the money and don't get me wrong. T's always earn money too, but I will earn like the bulk of our money, but he will be the one to organize going to a mortgage broker. He would be the one to organize the finance or something. He'd be the one to book an appointment for me. All these masculine doing things he would do. So when I'm home, the feminine masculine sort of polarity is always existent because he is so masculine and how he actually provides for me in our life. When he's gone, it's been challenged because I actually just feel like I'm always my masculine. I'm making decisions. I'm making money. I'm in business. Business is very masculine. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes we can be like, oh, it's feminine. Not really. There's elements, absolutely, but you're constantly making decisions, leading team, leading, you know, processes and all these different things. So I would say that naturally I'm very much in my masculine a lot because that's what's required. So when he's home and he's looking after me, I get to still be in my feminine. But yeah. right now I'm like, I'm deciding what's for fucking dinner. I'm deciding what's happening tomorrow. I'm deciding like when to fill up my car. It sounds silly, but he really does that when he's home. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's narrow-minded to, to say that, being in your masculine as a man is only about the financial. And I'm so glad Mm. you brought all of that up because it's really like, you know, there is plenty of men out there earning big money and completely in their feminine, completely not in their actual like energetic masculine. So it's like, I feel like it's almost when you're projecting that you're to be in your masculine, you need to be the breadwinner is Mm. actually that's yeah it's the conditioning exactly why it ties into this episode because really what women crave or or require to be in their feminine is to be provided for emotionally and like all those things like god i hate changing light bulbs as a single woman 
Can 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 tea actually come round? Yeah, task like, off. what's going on? Yeah, but so, <laughs> like, you know, that's all that stuff. Like it's just like there yeah. is. It's don't limit it into thinking it's that. I think that's just beautifully answered. Well, it's just very interesting, isn't it? Because I think you know, for one, their energies they're mm. not male female exactly that's a big thing as well and again this could honestly be an episode because there's a lot that I could say to this but I I think a big thing too that I've had to do a lot of work around personally is letting it be okay if he cooks dinner yeah letting it be okay if he cleans more than me letting it be okay if he washes my car letting it be okay if he's booking appointments because wow I actually love the way he provides for me it doesn't need to come in the form of finances, even though conditioning says it does. Yeah. Big. Big. But I would say that that's how we navigate it. Conversations for one and yeah, needs, desires. And, and equally for him, right, there's going to be that that too, where he's like, well, Riley's in a masculine. She's earning, she's providing. I can't meet her in that different thing. So it goes both ways and it's making sure we both feel good in that and, and that comes through communicating. Yeah. Well said. Okay, a final question. How do you celebrate yourself when you reach milestones? Mm, don't you love that all these questions, they feel very targeted around like good girl? Yeah. You know, how do you celebrate yeah. yourself when you win? Yeah. I feel like that's a huge thing that we need to, well, massive part of my journey. Like even being honest with what I was was doing and, and my success was huge for me. I remember the first time I shared a milestone in my business financially online, which would have been around July, 2022, I could have died. I felt sick to my stomach. I remember feeling physically ill, like I was going to vomit. What are people going to think about me? Do people think I'm greedy? Do people think I'm money hungry? Do people think I've lost touch? Do people think that I didn't deserve this? Do people think it was easy for me? Do you know what's funny is I remember you asking me this mm. question of like, so if you're, cause I wasn't in the coaching space, you're not in the coaching space. Like what is your opinion of financial milestones being posted? And I was yeah. like, I don't like them. Mm. <laughs> so like, Evidently interesting and you know and that is such a great tool like to say like that's where yeah then you, like your fears are going to come true like people aren't going to understand you and hold you and I'm curious in that just to interrupt why why for you whether it's it's the same now or it's changed why did you not like it being posted so I, my actual truth then was that I am very, you know, my marketing background is very value. Mm. Like I'm very much Mm. about bringing value to your audience and knowing, and because like everything I preach in my like marketing ways is very audience centric. And I'm so aware of how I'm literally aware of audience projections, right? From a Mm. marketing background, I, it's my job to know what they're projecting and make it palatable. Like that's what Mm. marketing is. So for me, I'm like that awareness was like, well, I don't know if it's going to be held. I don't know if like it's going to serve you to have that post. And that's where I was coming from at the time. Now I have a different perspective completely. And I think like, well, the evidence is obviously there, you know, you, you like so many of my clients post about their income and it's, and mm. it works, right. It brings people in because it's that aspirational element to, to the thing. And also I think there's been an up level of, at you know, a year ago and potentially before that, even what I had seen it of, what I had seen of it was, um, you know, it was kind of like people didn't post their income for the reason that you were posting it. It was the equivalent of it was like posing in front of a Ferrari, right? 
Yeah. And that's what mm-hmm. I was associating with it. But then the actual post that you did end up making, the value in the caption, the everything that it embodied was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. if that's what you mean. But it was my idea of what you meant that mm-hmm. was making me feel like it's not valuable. And, you know, that's where it was all coming from. Mm, which is even just so interesting, isn't it? Where literally, like you said, you're in marketing. You're literally, your, your job essentially is to be like, well, this is what people are going to think, which is true. It's true. Right? There's so much truth to it. And I think that's really interesting to bring in because for me at the time, everything that I thought would be true was shit that I would project. Exactly. How'd they earn that money? Why, who do they think they are? What are they? What system are they rotting? Like mm. whatever it may be. And I think it's just really, really interesting. So for me, <laughs> how I celebrate myself is one, it's actually just acknowledging what I've done. Yeah. I think that's a big thing too. So if I hit a milestone or not even a milestone, maybe I've just been like, wow, that was so cool that I had five people in that offer or seven girls in a mastermind or whatever. It Mm. might not necessarily be a financial thing, but it doesn't always look like buying something, holidaying, going out for dinner. Sometimes it's more of an upgrade in my life. Yeah. Maybe I want a cleaner now. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm at a point where I'm like, wow, that's incredible. I'm at this stage where I could definitely outsource two hours a week to a cleaner that feels really good for me. And that's an upgrade of my lifestyle. You know, I'm going to give myself that. It could equally look like just an upgrade in my life where maybe I'm like, you know what? My sunnies can be better. (laughs) You know, I'm currently wearing like $50 sunnies from wherever. I really want the Prada ones. So I'm going to get the Prada ones, but it doesn't always come in, in the form of something tangible or something, I guess, monetary or whatever it may be. It just comes in the form of acknowledging myself and going, wow, I did that. Yeah. And I don't think it needs to necessarily be a big song and dance a lot of the time, but it's something to acknowledge milestones that you've done. You know, for me, I value jewelry so much, gold specifically. I have two rings and a bracelet um, from Cartier. And it's funny because even I, I say that and I'm like, oh, I don't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that, this is the good girl stuff, right? I'm like, oh, I don't want to say that because what are people going to think? Yeah. You know, what are people going to think if I have that? But for me, I bought them in different milestones and was it a big investment? Absolutely. They're a big investment. But to me, I'm like, wow, I'm going to wear these the rest of my life. It's on me every single day. And the way I feel in terms of energetics and frequency and different things, when I look at these things, I'm like, I fucking did that. Absolutely. You know, I did that. And I, I know it was episode two where we kind of spoke to, you know, yes, the fuck you can. And I would say that's very much the energy of that. When I look at these things and it didn't come in the form of a holiday or come in the form of, you know, a big celebration in terms of whatever it may look like, that to me is of value. And that's something that I've just done for myself. And have I ever posted them? No. Have I ever shared that I was doing it? No. But I have such fond memories from those moments and going in and and doing that and having that experience. And when I got my bracelet, I was with, you know, three of my, my best friends and we literally sat in the room crying. Like we were all in tears, drinking champagne. Just you can't explain how pivotal those moments are. And it's not for the thing that you're purchasing. Like it's hardly got anything to do with the thing and more just the experience and actually anchoring into, holy fuck, I did this. Yeah. You know, that's great that I get to walk out with a beautiful bracelet that one day my daughter will wear. And I just love that. And I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. And oh, like the best, right? That just Mm. makes me so happy. But beyond that, it's just these moments of I've, I've actually done this and what I've had to do to be here is fucking huge. Yeah. And I'm really at a stage now where I'm, I, I don't want to water that down anymore. Like I don't want to pretend that I didn't work really, really hard to be here and that I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's just very interesting and 
yeah, it's funny. Like I do feel uncomfortable telling that story, which is so interesting. But at the same time, I'm, I'm so proud of myself and being and, and preaching what I practice is me actually leaning into this discomfort and going, yeah, I did buy these things. I love these things. I value these things. I was so proud of myself. I am so proud of myself. And that's my truth. Absolutely. And on that, like mm. there's so much power. It's, and again, I'm anchoring into the marketing expertise here and mm. just like people like are so much more interested in, in honesty, like actual honest conversations. Like that's why podcastings go podcasts go off mm. because you're able to actually say that you're not making a caption about it, but like, People want to know your honest like thoughts and like what you are doing to celebrate. And you're actually able to tell them with enough space and time to give context that allows the intention of your message to actually be received, which I just think it, I have no doubt that that was, that would land with the listener on the other Mm -hmm. end of this, which is great. Yeah. And it's just funny because I even think about sharing that and I'm like, wow, if I had heard that, you know, three or four years ago when I started my business, one, it wouldn't have felt achievable, yeah. <laughs> but it just wouldn't have. I would also think like, wow, I just, I can't even imagine, right? Like doing those things and, and what I was doing, what I was earning, where I was putting my money at that point was so different to where I put it now. And don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting in cardio every second week. <laughs> like yeah. these are two different experiences, but it's, yeah, it's very cool to, to hear it and somewhat be expanded by it. Just knowing that it's not about the rings. It's not about the bracelet, but it's about whatever you think you can't have right now. I guarantee you can fucking have. Yeah. Like I guarantee you can have it. Do you want to go to Europe? You can go to Europe. Do you want that relationship? You can have that relationship. Do you want to be able to buy yourself a pair of shoes that you've always wanted? You can have those shoes. Everything is accessible to you when you allow it to be something that you even dream of having. I couldn't agree more. And I don't know. Just stop. Don't fucking say no to yourself. Don't stop. Don't settle. Don't conform to what you think you have to be or what you think you have to do or what's, what's comfortable for people to hear because it's comfortable when, yeah, I want to earn X amount of money and buy one property and chill for the rest of my life. That's perfect, but it's comfortable, right? When you start to challenge the norm and you do start to go, I actually want the $10,000 bracelet right? I wasn't 10K, but hypothetically, yeah. I want the $10,000 bracelet. I want, um, you know, a holiday in the Maldives for 50K. I want to have 12 houses and live in a mansion, whatever, like name your thing. People are going to project when you say things like that, because that's probably something that they don't see possible for themselves, right? Based on what they believe is accessible to them. Rewrite that story. 100%. Challenge it. Challenge it. I just couldn't agree more. I can't. Remember when you first started recording your podcast and what mm. on track was? A yeah. boardroom. A boardroom. With a goddamn machine in it. Like there was – at the time I was like, I would not have three cameras mm-hmm. lighting yeah. a friggin' in-studio producer. Like, it, But I just decided – and everyone, mind you, at the time would be like, is there demand for podcasting? Like you live on the Sunshine Coast. I remember it. People would question you all the time yeah I don't think it's gonna work I don't think there's a there's a market for it I don't think there's a niche for it look at me now look at me now bitch yes you (laughs) goddamn can you've got staff you've got a whole like I wish yeah you guys you got a whole floor it's insane and this is the the coolest thing too it doesn't actually come in the form necessarily of like the tangible thing Mm. I have a ring so fucking what like actually so what it's the life it's the mindset it's the way that I approach you know things in my life and and same for you it's what you it's what you led with it's the grit yeah it's the resilience and it's 
you know what? <laughs> you say no, fucking watch me. Yeah. And that's the stubborn part of me too. You say I can't have something, I'll just get it out of spite now. Yeah. Purely because you pissed me off. Yeah. Chip, chip on your shoulder. <laughs> chip on my shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just the not settling. So if you do feel like, oh, fuck, I do often feel activated by someone not settling. I feel activated by someone striving for more or wanting more or desiring more. Where am I not actually letting myself desire big things? Yeah. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a lifestyle, whether it's freedom, this is, this is so far beyond a tangible yeah. You know, it's like, do you value or desire waking up and having three days a week where you don't work? Do you desire getting up at 6am and having nowhere to be for three hours? Do you desire sipping a coffee on the beach every morning because you just want to live closer to the beach? So many things that you get to think of, but dream fucking big. Don't settle. Don't say no. I feel like I'm a testament to this. You are. And so are you. And and so are so many people that we know, but I, the clients I work with, you know, what's happening in their worlds right now, it doesn't logically make sense on paper. Exactly. Right. But then I know the human they are and I'm like, it makes a lot of sense. Do you know what I think it is? Mm. I don't know if you'd agree, but I just think it's actually like, obviously calling it out, having that desire and then doing the self-work to feel worthy of it. Mm. Like it's actually, do you feel worthy of having a business that earns this much? Maybe if you have no education or expertise, you don't. So what do you need to do? Get the education and the expertise. Now you're worthy, then it will happen. Mm. Like on a real tangible level. Same with relationships though. Like you want this like hunk of a man or whatever. And, but like, do you look after yourself? Mm. Because if you did, you would feel worthy of that. Yep. You want this dream, you know, friendship, but yet you're playing out some pretty toxic shit in your current friendship. Exactly. So it's, it really is that worthiness piece. It's like, even, you know, it's funny, like people are going to project, right? This is a separate episode. People are going to project on you. I'm sure people would listen to this and go, fuck her. I can almost guarantee it though. Do you know what I mean? I can guarantee it because that that's fine. That's where they're at in their process and in their life. And it's perfect. There's so much that you get to look at in that. Yeah. Right. There's so much that you get to look at in that. And it's funny. You do, you know, part of your sorts of shakes when I'm like, you can do so much more than project on other people. You can do so much more than make me wrong right now. Yeah. You know what you get to do by listening to this or by listening to anyone that inspires you or activates you or expands you like name your thing you get to take that and go, that's fucking possible for me. Yeah. I'm swearing a lot in this episode. My apologies. <laughs> but you, you just fucking you, can. You get, you. Yeah. you get to. You get to. <laughs> but yeah, it's like that's possible because I know that I can actually make a choice to change. I can make a choice to improve. I can make a choice to be expanded. And I don't have to make people around me wrong anymore just to make myself right. Yeah. When how I feel actually isn't that good. Exactly. It's actually going to feel a lot better to be wrong because it means you can do more, be more, mm. achieve more. I want to be wrong. Yeah. Let's be wrong. Let's be wrong. What an episode. Yeah. I love that one actually. <laughs> that was a big one. Even the listener cues got us going. But yeah. thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It was a big one. I would love to hear your feedback from this episode. So either reach out to the Influential CEO podcast on Instagram or at Riley May Coaching. I want to hear your feedback and also what landed for you in this episode. Mm. We obviously have our Facebook community, which is now called the Influential CEO community on Facebook. You can join that via the link in the show notes, but plug in there. Let us know what came up for you. Huge conversation and definitely something that we get to bring more episodes um, in about, but have an incredible week. And don't forget, if you want to be a part of the free masterclass, Good Girl Gone Baddie, the link is in the show notes. And I highly, highly suggest if anything in today's episode landed for you, 
get in that masterclass because it is going to completely shift your perspective on good girl conditioning and help you actually break free from any limitations that you're currently experiencing. Let's go. Let's go. Bye, guys. Bye.